I have what it says I can have. I do what it says I can do. It is the living Word of God. I have received it, and I have it all. I have not missed a thing. Today, 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 right here. I'll never be the same. God's going to sit in a blaze, and you'll never be the same. We'll never be the same. Living water worship center will never be the same. In Jesus' holy name. And the church shouted out and said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Give God a good hand clap this morning. When you got a spirit like this, it's good to be able to preach. Amen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If you had the Bible, turn with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 63 this morning. Isaiah 63. It is a part of the scripture between 63, 64, and 65 that is very pertinent unto today, very pertinent unto your life. It is a prayer that Isaiah prayed that God would send Jesus to this earth. It is a prayer that Isaiah prayed that God would send revival to this earth. It is a prayer that Isaiah prayed that the heavens would line up with the, the earth and that God would bless you. It is a prayer that Isaiah prayed several hundred years before Jesus ever came on the scene. And on the day that Jesus came on the scene and he died on the cross of Calvary, the veil was rent between the holy place and the holy of holy place, and the heavens of God was opened up. And from that point on, God has been raining down a blessing on you through the blood of Jesus Christ. From that day on, God has been saving and rescuing his people. He's been restoring his church, and he's been full of mercy and love. And thank God that the blood of Jesus Christ still has as much power today as it did 2,000 years ago. Thank God that you still got access to it. And thank God you don't have to live broken down, beat down, disgusted, depressed, upset, mad, not understanding what life is about. God said you are more than an overcomer. And God said you're more than a conqueror. And it's time for us to act that way. Amen. Smile at somebody this morning and say we're going to have some glory in this house today. Amen. I've debated on what scriptures I need to read to you because really this sermon is just an opening of what God is wanting to do in our church. I think we are in a time in our church, a time in the spiritual realm that God is almost ready to visit his people like he's never visited them before in my life or in this earth. I believe we're in the end times. I believe if you don't know Jesus this morning, that he could step right now out on the eastern sky today, this moment, and take his children home, and you would have to sit here and face the tribulation. I believe that God is about to bring a revival because he's hunting for a church that will worship him in spirit and in truth, that has no spot, that has no wrinkle, that has the power of God in it instead of a form and a fashion that denies the power of God. I believe that he's looking for a church that still believes that we can lay our hands upon the sick and the sick will recover. I believe that he's looking for a church that still believes that we got more power over the demon than the demon has over us. I believe that he's still looking for a church that has all belief and all power in his name and his glory and that we will use what God has given unto us. Amen. 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 Smile at somebody this morning and say, I'm going to get all of this in Jesus' name. 
So I picked out a little bit here to read this morning, and I hope it will bless your heart. By the way, if you're here for the first time, I make it interactive. I want you to interact with me. The more you interact with me, the more I'll preach, the better I'll preach, and the more you'll get delivered. Amen? Amen. So I want you to understand today that God is waiting on Living Water Worship Center right. to get in position. Yes. Slap that right beside him and say, get in position. Get in position. Isaiah 63, verse number 7. It says, I will mention the love and kindness of the Lord and the praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord has bestowed on us and the great goodness toward the house of Israel, which he had bestowed on them according to his mercies and according to the multitude of his loving kindness. For he said, surely they are my people. They are my children that will not lie. He was their savior. And in all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them in his love. And his pity, he redeemed them. You've got to bear with me. In his pity, he redeemed him. So he said, I have saved you with my love, and when you have been afflicting, I suffered with you. And the angel of his presence saved them in his love, and in his pity, he redeemed them, and he bare them yes. and carried them all the days of old. Yes. But they rebelled, and they vexed his Holy Spirit, Therefore, he was turned to their enemy, and he fought against them. Some of y'all right now under the sound of my voice, you need to hear me. The God is fighting against you, not the devil. You've been playing with God too long. You are God's child. You know you are God's child. Mama marked you with her prayer. Grandma marked you with her prayer. You came and you had a covenant, a relationship with the Lord, and you gave your life to the Lord at the altar, and that day God didn't play games. That's right. You love to put your mouth on everybody else and what's wrong with them, but God is fighting you. The devil's not fighting you right now. The devil's already got you. He don't need you anymore. He could care less if you come to church or not because he already knows you've got your mind made up. That's right. But God is fighting against what the devil's trying to do in your life because he knows that you are his property and being that you are his property, he is not going to allow you to miss what God has for you and he is in your life, he's moving in your life, he's fighting in your life and he's talking on a daily basis. He said he turned to them and turned to their enemy and he fought against them. And then he remembered the days of old. Moses and his people saying, where is he that brought them up out of the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he that put his Holy Spirit within him? And I've heard some folks that are Christians here today, they began to run down the church. And let me share with you, it is rabid in the church. Everybody's talking about everybody. Well, that preacher ain't qualified to preach. That preacher don't live a life like he's supposed to. Or that brother shouldn't be a deacon and all that stuff. You're talking about Aunt Sue and how Aunt Sue do it. And the very thing that you're talking about Aunt Sue is doing, you've been doing it all, all right. along. All right, amen, amen. And God has got his people, his people. I said his people. I said God has got his people that is sitting back saying, where's God at? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Amen. <laughs> Sorry. 
I remember how it used to be when I went to church 30 years ago and the power of God come down and people got saved and the power of God ain't in church no more. Everybody in it must be a hypocrite. And that's why I stay home because I don't want to be classified with a hypocrite. Well, go to hell with all of them then. Preach pastors. And they began to ask, where's the spirit at? Where's the power at? Where's God at? Where are you at? I remember what you used to do back in the old days, but Lord, why ain't you doing it right now? And now that is a predominant attitude in the mindset that we are finding in the house of Almighty God that nobody is really out there searching and seeking for the power of Almighty God. Everybody wants to grumble about that God ain't got the power in the church because everybody can listen to the preacher with their head stuck in a cell phone. Oh, Lord, y'all ain't going to lie me too good for a few minutes here this morning anyhow. Then he led them by the right hand of Moses, that he led them with the right hand of Moses with his glorious arm, dividing the water before them to make himself an everlasting name. Where's that God at that can part the Red Sea? I've heard about him all my life. I heard that he can heal sicknesses. I heard he can heal diseases. I heard that he can grab a crack addict and he can save them immediately. I've heard that he can go into the hell dens of the world and turn bar rooms upside down and make it a church. I've heard what God can do. But where is God at? Where is his power at? Why isn't and that I go to church that I can't get no help. Lord help us, Jesus. Amen. Amen. That led them through the deepest and horse in the wilderness that they should not stumble. As a beast going down in the valley, the Spirit of the Lord caused him to rest. So does thou lead thy people to make thyself a glorious name. Then he goes to pray. And he looks up to God and he says, God, look down from heaven. And behold, from the habitations of thy holiness and of thy glory, where is thy zeal and thy strength, the sounding of thy bowels and of thy mercy toward me? Are they restrained? Lord, why is it that no one has any zeal to come to the house of God anymore? Why is it that nobody has any joy anymore? Why is it that Dynasty and Highway to Hell calls you on a Wednesday night so you can sit there and watch it on the television and you're on the Highway to Hell and you are going to die nasty but you need to be in the house of God? Why is it that there is no joy in the house of the Lord anymore? Why is it that the people can get up and start shouting and singing and rejoice in the Lord and you sit there like a frog on a log and act like that somebody got to go slap you off that log for you to even raise your hand and praise the Savior that gave his life for you? Where's that zeal at, Lord? Where's it at? Lord, the reason why there ain't no zeal there, then I, I'm beginning to understand why there ain't no strength in the house of God because everybody's walking around depressed. Everybody's walking around feeling like they're a victim. Everybody walking around feeling like that they're going to be a patient forever, that, they're not, that nobody's having anything any harder than what they're having in their life, and they got the worst lot in life that they could possibly have, and there ain't no strength from God present in the church because we're praising the devil more than we are God. Oh my God, can I preach just a few minutes? Then he goes on and he says, Look down from heaven. Look down from your habitation and your holiness and in your glory. I want to know where your zeal is. I want to know where your strength is. I want to know where the sounds of your bowels are. I want to know where your love is. Why is it that Christians don't love each other anymore? Oh, I love you, Brother Kip. Yeah, I believe that the day and the hour you showed me you love me. 
Because some of you tell me you love me, and then you go home around your dining, sit down around there, and you begin to have your little sermon, and take my sermon, and you make a sermon out of it, and you destroy what the man of God is trying to do in the house of Almighty God in your family. God is about to do something, Brother Larry, in the house of Almighty God, and I feel it in the very bottom of my bone. It's like a fire shut up in my bones, and I'm just ready for the glory of God to come and clean the house of God up so that He can bring His zeal and His strength and His power and His glory and His love back into the house of God, and the children of God can begin to fellowship one day, Mother, and they begin to get under the fellowship and the light of God, and God's blood, Jesus' blood, can come and cleanse the church and make it free of every spot every wrinkle and everything that hell has tried to do in it and God can make it a powerhouse in this hour to change the culture that we're living in right now doubtless thou art our father I know you're our father Lord though Abraham's ignorant of me or us and Israel acknowledged me not they cast me out Oh, Lord, art thou our father? God, ain't you our redeemer? Your name is from everlasting. God, ain't you God? God, ain't you the Lord of all lords? God, ain't you the king of all kings? Lord, don't you have all power? God, aren't you able to render and and straighten out my financial situation? Lord, aren't you able to touch my sick body and steal some strength in me and to heal me so I can declare the word of Almighty God? Aren't you my God? Aren't you my Father? Although other Christians have thrown me out and said he ain't worthy of anything, I'm still the child of God and he's my Father. Amen. Then he says, O Lord, why hast thou made us to err from thy ways? Oh, Lord, why is it that you've hardened our heart from thy fear? Then he asked the Lord, he says, Lord, return for your servant. Tell the Lord this morning, say, Lord, Lord. return just for me. me. (laughs) Tell him again, ask him again, say, Lord, Lord. will you return for me? Return for for your servant's sake. Return for your tribe. Return for your inheritance. Lord, unless you return, we're not going to be able to see your power anymore in the house of God because man has took the house of God over. The devil's been able to come in and the devil has come in and brought his music into the house of God. He's brought his worship into the house of God. He's brought the very thing that God says is abominable in the house of Almighty God. And God, unless you return for your servants' sake, unless you return for your inheritance, unless you show back up in the power that you go, that you display in the in the hands of Moses himself. God, we're not going to be able to exist. Praise the Lord. Someone say amen. 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 Lord, it's got so bad that the people of your holiness is only possessed in a little while. Church people that is supposed to be over the house of God is only been able to work in it for a little while 
because it's got so bad, nobody wants to praise you. And now because the devil's come in and took over the house of God, because the devil's come in and destroyed the sanctuary, then we have no worship, we have no praise. People don't even know what worship is. People don't even know what praise is. People don't even know you, God, anymore. Amen. Don't that sound like today? Amen. I said amen. Our adversaries have taken down thy sanctuary and trodden it down. But Lord, we are thine. Everybody here this morning say, we are thine, Lord. Lord. I am thine, O Lord. I have made my children. Everybody say, I am thine, Lord. I am thine, Lord. Little word worship center is the Lord's. Blaine, North Carolina is the Lord's. Elizabeth Town is the Lord's. Lumberton is the Lord's. And I'm going to call out the towns that are here. Tabor City is the Lord's. Amen. Hallsboro is the Lord's. Where where were you from? Germantown or whatever it is up there. Uh, Hickory up there. I'll just call all that area up there. That's the Lord's. Amen. Chadburn is the Lord's. Amen. Whiteville is the Lord's. Amen. Everything is the Lord's. We are thine. Everybody holler out and say, We are thine, Lord. But you never bearest rule over them. I'm yours, Lord, but you don't rule me. You're my Lord, but you don't rule me. You're my Lord of my time, but on Sunday night, nope, you ain't going to have my time. You're my Lord, but you ain't going to get my money. You're my Lord, but my boyfriend wants to go out Friday night, and I ain't going to the service Friday night because my boyfriend wants to go out with me. You're the Lord. You're the king. You own me, Lord. I am yours. I am yours. I am yours. I am yours. But don't ask me to mess up my schedule whatsoever. So I put crab legs on Friday night at 6 o'clock, and I'm going to get my crab legs. Don't you ask me to stay after 12 o'clock on Sunday because I got to run home and cook for my family. I'm yours, Lord. But you don't own me. I'm yours, Lord. But the only time I want to give you is maybe 30 minutes on Sunday morning. And when I give it to you, I want to come in there and sit down on the pew and have to have somebody make me stand up. I have to make somebody make me open up my mouth and sing. I have to have somebody make me clap my hands for the Lord. I have to have somebody make me shout out and say hallelujah. I have to have somebody make me give you my time. Amen. I'm yours, Lord. You're my father. You're my God. I know what you can do in the past. I've read about it. I've seen it. I've experienced it. But Lord, I'm, I want you, but I don't want you that bad. Help us, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let somebody else do all the paying. Let somebody else do all the praying. Let somebody else do all the staying. And I'll do the visiting. And I'll pop in every now and again. And I'll get all the benefits off of what everybody else does. And it's working all right for me, Lord, like that. There, so don't you bother me anymore because I am the master of my time. We are thine, 
Thou never bearest rule over them. And they were not called by thy name. And actually I read all that to read my one text this morning. Verse number one. Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens. That thou wouldest come down. That the mountains might flow down at thy presence. As when the melting fire burneth, the fire causes the water to boil. To make thy name known to thy adversaries. But the nations may tremble at thy presence. When thou didst terrible things which we look not for, thou comest down. The mountains flow down at thy presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither have I seen, O God, beside thee, what he has prepared for him that waits for him. Amen. Oh, Amen. Lord, come on down, Lord. Lord, send the rain. Father, in the name of Jesus, take your word, anoint it as it's released here today. Take your Logos word and turn it into rhema. Father, send the angels out behind it. Let it go forward to grab a hold of the hearts that it is directed to this morning. Let it grab hold of it and against all obstacles that is erected before it, allow the power of Almighty God to destroy every mountain. Let it destroy every obstacle that hell would throw in its path. Father, today, Lord God, like a missile straight from heaven, Hit that heart where you need to hit it at. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, go down just as deep in the reaper's recess of that man and that woman that you could ever go in this life. Change them this morning by the power of your glory. And I'll give you the praise and the glory for it all. And the church said, in Jesus' name, amen. Throughout my life, In every season of my life, there's two different types of mindsets that I find myself falling into that can be extremely beneficial to me or it can be the most dangerous thing that I ever experienced in my life. Two different mindsets that goes on in your life and you experience it just like I do. One of them is called the if-only syndrome, or if uh, the, the if-only syndrome, if, if only this would happen, things would be a little bit different. And the other mindset is the what-if syndrome. If only it would be this way. If only she acted like she loved me more. If only she talked to me more. If only this happened in my life. If only mama was this way. If only mama was rich. If, I, if only daddy had a great job. If only I got me an inheritance from someone. If only all of us ourselves had, because of that during our life, we find ourselves in a very crucial juncture. And that is, it can be the most beneficial thing in your life or it can be the most detrimental thing in your life the falling into mindsets if only and the second one is what if what if pastor sissy done what she done what if pastor sissy would come and give me five thousand dollars what if brother larry would show up here today and brother larry would walk in and he'd give me a million bucks what if i was a millionaire what if I had a beautiful wife that loved me for who I was and didn't want to change me? What if I had a family that made sure I had everything I needed? What if? And because this hadn't happened, and the biggest word in the English vocabulary is if, and because there's an if in your life, you want to sit there and throw the if out on everybody else, and you want to throw the if out on God. Amen? All of us find ourselves in that situation. Would the church say amen? And we get tired. And we get discouraged. 
And we find ourselves in some need of rest. We're struggling with the things in our life, Linda, where we're saying, if only this could happen. I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm asking the Lord. If only God would come do this. If only this would happen. And as we go on in life, we wind up getting set up into a rut and we get bored in the monotony of everything that's going on in our life. Amen. In fact, many of you under the sound of my voice today, I know you're bored with your life. You literally so bored with your life, you can't hardly stand yourself. You really need a change, and you're scared to death to make a change because you are affected by these two different little uh, mindsets and these syndrome, and one of them is the what-if mindset, and the other is if only. The what-if mindset brings fear in your life that keeps you from doing what you know you're supposed to do, and the if only in your life causes you to get lazy and accept life like it is. But you see, if you can take that thing and flip it around and use it the positive way, it can change your life. Everybody just look at somebody and say, if only. only. So we catch up ourselves and we find out that we are exhausted. How many of you here, our ladies, been a little exhausted with life? <laughs> Be honest, raise your hand here this morning, amen. Drained of all of your physical and your mental resources. You are at the end of your life and you're in your wits end. You've done everything. You've done everything you can do to try to straighten out that child and that child's still running hell out there and he's doing anything. Well, you've done everything you can do. You thought you could do it. Everything you could think of to get more money in your bank. You've done everything you can do in your life to try to change your life and now here you're finding yourself bored with the monotony in your life and you're no longer fresh and you're not in a good condition. In fact, this morning, Sister Jackie, I am preaching to people that are on the verge of a nervous breakdown. They don't have any peace from the Lord. They don't have any understanding with the Lord. They've tried everything they can possibly try in their life and they are about to go crazy. They're running to the doctor left and right. They're taking antipsychotic drugs. They're trying to get themselves off and being depressed all the time. Hell has literally come in your life and brought you into a situation to where all you can think about is how bad it is for you. Amen. Help us, Jesus. Help us, I'm going to help you today, though. Amen. So on top of being tired, not just being tired and exhausted, we literally have no energy. We lose our energy and we experience the same thing for so long that we have just had too much of what we are getting and receiving in our life. Life is just too much. Someone under the sound of my voice right lately has even said those few words, life is just too much. And God has sent you here this morning because he wants to change your life. Someone say amen. Amen. We're getting too much of what we're receiving in our life and we don't like it and we're sitting out there and we're bush, we're overworked, we're burnt out on life and we're shattered into the little places in our life. We're shattered into so many little small pieces. We're like a jigsaw puzzle and we're trying to put it together and there's so many pieces of it. We can't find the right piece to go in the right place in the right shape and we're so frustrated in life we don't know exactly what to do and that's what happens in your life when the if-onlys come into your life and they start to, to express themselves in your life because then you began to try to blame everybody else for all the situations that you're going through in your life. You'll hear things like, well, if only I had a rich husband. <laughs> Amen. If only I had married into some money. If only I had more money. If only my husband would act like so-and-so, I could love him a whole lot better. 
If only my preacher preached a little different than what he preached. If only people out there uh, would, would, would come and give me money. If only I had a better job. If only I had a better house. If only I had a better car. If only I wasn't stuck here on this job. If only I wasn't stuck in this relationship. If only I wasn't sick and I was free of this disease. If only I didn't have to do this, put up with this struggle any longer in life. I could smile a little bit and have a good time and life be better. I'm sure you can add to that list this morning of all the if onlys in your life. Amen. You can write down there and say, if only, if I was born in California where they make $150,000 as a base salary, maybe I could go over there and rent me a $200, $500 hut that's out yonder and I could come home and I could live in North Carolina like a king. If only I was in Mexico and I had the money in North Carolina, I could live a whole lot better than what I had there. Amen. But the truth of the matter is, at the core of what you're expressing in your life is that you think life is about you. Right now. You are narcissistic. You call other people narcissistic, but you're narcissistic. You're so bad that when God blesses you, you ain't happy with what God That's blesses right. you with. God can dump $100,000 in your plate and you say, well, I wish I'd have done this here a long time ago. I could have made $200,000. <laughs> Narcissism is overtaking you because of the if only. If I'd have known that there, I'd have done this. If I'd have known that there, then I'd have put my money over here. If I'd have known that there, I'd have went over there. If, 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 if. And God is sitting there looking at you saying, if, 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 if. <laughs> the if only's come into your life and you have become so grateful so ungrateful, I'm sorry. You become so ungrateful that only your desires in your life is directing you. And now because you're not getting all your desires, you're depressed. Many people are depressed because they don't get the expectation that they have out of stuff. You walk in front of the church and the preacher is standing there. Your family's on the left and her his family's on the right. And the preacher says, we are gathered here today to join this couple in the holy matrimony. And you got in your mind an idea of what that man or that woman is supposed to be. And when you find out and get the true appointment back in the office who you just got, you realize right then, oh my God, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble and I'm in trouble bad. And now because you didn't get what you expected you live a life in depression. Yeah. Am I helping anybody already? Amen. 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 What you're doing is you're like them beggars that's laying out there on the wayside begging saying, help, I need you to fill up my bucket. But the truth of the matter is I ain't going to fill your bucket. Tina ain't going to fill your bucket. Amen. There ain't nobody in this house going to fill your bucket. That their spirit of entitlement that the devil has punched into you and punched into this generation has got to be obliterated by the power of Almighty God because God is ready to bring a revival and save this generation. And if you think that the government is the one that's supposed to make sure that you eat and make sure you got a house and pays your electricity bill and pays your water bill, then you are suffering under the spirit of entitlement and you need God to show with you exactly what you need to change in your life. And you got a great big old book it out there for the world to fill you up and to give you everything you expect but what you don't know and what you don't understand is there's a bunch of big holes in your bucket yes. and if you do get something from the world it's going to go right out of the bucket yes. Amen. 
Here's my cup, Lord. Fill it up, Lord. That's the way your life should be. Amen. Amen. Your focus begins to center upon yourself. Your focus begins to center on you. And you began, you should have your focus on God and on other people. You should have your focus on being grateful to God for what He's given unto you. But you walk around in your life all the time wishing that things were different. Boy, I'm in your business today and I know it. Amen. And the same is true about the what if syndrome too. What if my husband leaves me? How am I going to survive? What if my mama dies? Mama's been there for me all along. She's always pulled me out of this. What if my mama dies? What if the medical test that I just took comes back bad? What if in my life, if I lose my job, what am I going to do? What if if I don't get a raise, what am I going to do? I just committed to pay $200 more a month for that car that I really don't need anyhow. And now I'm thinking I was going to get a raise. And here I am out there trying to get a raise. And, and how I've got $200 that I ain't got. And now if I don't get that raise next Monday, I'm in trouble. I'm here to tell you today my phone has rung off the hook this week by several different people that has found themselves in the if only and the what if situation. And they're in such a situation they feel like they're about to lose their house, lose their life. And lose everything. And when you hear them, you can hear the energy just go out of their life. That mindset brings in fear. When you begin to get to that point, mindset comes in in fear. And you're afraid of what might come true. And you start worrying about stuff that ain't even happened and probably are not going to happen. Amen. And you begin to get trapped in those two mindsets. And when you get trapped into those two mindsets, you create the world's biggest and worst case scenario out of anything in three minutes. In three seconds, something can happen and it's the worst thing in the world. You can have something happen right in front of you and your brother, sister stand right beside of you and it happened to them at the same time and they'll look at it and perceive it a certain way and move on in life. And that little thing happened to you and they want nothing to it. And now you have bloated up so far out of proportion you are stuck in the quicksand of life because nothing really happened but you have convinced yourself something happened. That's right, that's right, amen. Don't the church need some help, amen? Amen. But underneath these two syndromes, the what if and the if only syndrome, a syndrome, there is a true root of that problem. And that is your expectation that your life should be receiving and getting in your life is not being completely satisfied. You went out and you got that job expecting that you were going to get this and it hadn't materialized. You went and you married that woman and you expected it this way that it didn't materialize. You married that man and you expected it this way that it didn't materialize. You had that child and you expected it this way and it didn't materialize. You went to that church and you expected it that way and it didn't materialize. You tried God and you expected it that way and because it didn't work out that way it didn't materialize. Here you are still trying to live life not completely satisfied. I promise you I'm going to help you this morning. Amen. Amen. And although these two syndromes are extremely dangerous in your life, they can also be the most beneficial thing that you can have in your life. Because in that situation when you have an if-only mindset and a what-if mindset, you can go the bad way or you can go the good way. And if you go the bad way, you're going to still stay in the same situation that you're in in your life. And you're going to do the quicksand is going to get deeper and the devil's going to have his way with you. But if you can take that thing and harness that power and turn it around and take that what-if and that if-only process and you can turn it around and you can put your focus where it's supposed to be on God and on other people 
God will recently do something in your life and that if only in your life will become your materialistic reality in your life. That what if in your life will turn around and the power of God will show up in your life and you can live free of depression. You can live free of the determination from hell to try to destroy your life. You can walk in the power of Almighty God. Flex your Holy Ghost muscle and you have the devil come on. I got enough of power with Jesus on the inside of me. Send me your best shot because I got a shield of faith here that can block everything that you send my way. I want you to know if we can harvest that with the mentality and put it over to God. God can change the church. He can change the town. He can change your family. He can change the polity. He can change your nation. He can change the world. If you just change your mindset and let God bless you. I feel the power of Almighty God in my life. I'm so sick and tired of being trapped up in the hell in my life. I'm sick and tired of watching you being trapped up in the hell in your life. I am so tired of that mindset of if only and that mindset of what if because when you get so far in that mindset when you start saying what if and you start saying if only it's one thing to say what if my wife or what if my mama or if only my aunt or my uncle but when you get to the point where that third word is if only God if only and what if God then you began to literally blame God for everything that's happening in your life and if you don't get out of that situation you're going to find yourself losing every bit of power that God has given you and the blessing we sung about this morning the devil will come in with the pump of worm and the caterpillar and eat it out of your life and you can have God bless you and your bucket will be open with a great big old pill in it and it'll come in and you get a little bit of money and it's gone immediately when you start saying, what well, if only God is very dangerous. When you start saying, if only God had been here, like Martha and Mary did, if you had been here, I know he wouldn't have died. If you start looking at it and say, if only I knew what God was doing in your life, turn to your neighbor right there and say, you're supposed to know what he's doing. The devil knows you're supposed to know what he's doing. The Bible says you don't need a teacher to tell you what God is doing. The Bible says I have put the Holy Ghost in you to talk to you and to tell you what God is doing. You don't need to be on the phone running to the psychiatrist and the marriage counselor trying to find out what God is doing. All you need is a little bit of time to get with God and lay down with your Bible and go before the Lord on your knees and say, okay, God, I got a problem and I need an answer and God will tell you exactly what he's doing. When you start saying, if only I knew where God was, then you're in trouble. Because God gave you a promise. And he said when any two are touched together and agree on anything, I'll do it. And he also said when two or three are gathered together in my name, I promise I will be in your midst. If you're married and your husband is a Christian and you're a Christian, God's in your house. You don't need to worry about where God's at. He's right here. How many of you here come today in the name of Jesus Christ? Then God's right here. Oh, I say God's right here. And when God's in a place, every answer you ever need is right there. Every need you ever need is right there at His feet. Anything you need, all you got to do is grab a shopping cart in the glory of Almighty God and go to the spiritual grocery store, fill it up, and walk out of there with the blessings of Almighty God. This is the place where God will show up, and He is. But if you're still trying to determine where God is at, you need some deliverance this morning. Amen. Amen. When you get to the point where you say, if only God would talk to me and tell me what's going on. Turn to your neighbor right beside and say, why are you so dumb sometimes? <laughs> Hold that Bible up for me. Everybody see. 
There's over 3,000 chapters in that Bible, I'm sorry, and it was written some 2,000 years ago, 3,000, 4,000 years ago, and God began to speak in it in 66 different books in the Bible, and God has talked, and he's been talking, and he keeps right on talking, and he's 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 talking right now, and you're wondering, well, well, I want the Lord to speak to me. How dumb do you want to be in your life? You're in that there what if and if only mentality. If only God you would answer my prayer then I'd praise you more. If only God you'd show up and you show up right now where he's already here. If only Lord if you would come in and you'd heal me. If only Lord you'd come in and you'd intervene. And it's one thing to say that and say, I'd respond this way. That's a good thing to put out there. But when you get out there and say, well, what if God did show up and heal me? What if God did give me that great big job and I made a million dollars and he turned around and he said, all right, 999,000 of it you got to give to the church. How would you feel about that? You see, that what if causes you to have some fear in your life. It would be nice for all of us to be able to see some light in the middle of all of this darkness in our life, wouldn't it? Amen. If you were able to know exactly what God is doing and when God would deliver you and when your, your spouse would straighten up, when your children would get saved and when everything would work out in your life, when your church is going to be in revival, when your nation is going to come back, if you had all of those answers, then you wouldn't need God anyhow. Thank God this church needs God. Amen. Amen. And I want to tell you, the church scriptures are full of people that lived in that what if and that if only type of deal. There was a fellow by, by the name out there uh, of Moses that lived out there in many a time. And he was in the what if type of situation for many years. People lived in darkness and they lived out there in waiting for a long period of time. There was Noah. He was out there on that boat and he was in darkness waiting for the storm to cease in your life. And a lot of y'all right now in your life, you got a storm raging in your life and you're waiting for that storm to stop. And I want you to know also... Abraham and Sarah, they went out and for years, they didn't even have a house. They didn't have no place to lay their head. They didn't even have a child. But God had gave them a promise and said, I'm going to give you something another, and I'm going to give you this and I'm going to give you a land. And because of that in faith, they kept right on moving. There's a lot of people, the children of Israel, they lived in a what-if situation and they were there in slavery and in Egypt for 430 years and for 40 years they lived in that what-if and if-only situation out in the middle of the wilderness. But I want to tell you something. Every time I read that word and I begin to look at I find out when people wind up in the what if and the if only situation that in every instant, everybody I'll say in every instant, in every instant, God showed up and done something about it. And God is showing up in your life right now and He's ready to do something about it. How many is ready to receive it? Amen. There are people right now in the house of God, mamas are watching their children being massacred because they feel like they don't have any right to say anything about it anymore. One thing that the if only and that their what if syndrome can do is can drive you to your knees in prayer. When you don't know what's going on and you need God to show up and you need to know what's happening, that what if and that if only syndrome will drive you to your knees. And the church needs for us to be driven to our knees. In Isaiah chapter 63 verse 365, you see there that God began to minister unto Isaiah and Isaiah was driven to his knees to pray that God would show up one more time. As you go through that, you find out in 64 verse number 1, he said there to him, he said, oh, that you would come and you would rend the heavens and you would come down. 
That word oh in the original Hebrew is the word if only. If only, Lord, you'd come down and you'd tear open these heavens and you'd show up one more time, then I know everything would be alright. There, if only God would show up on Capitol Hill up there in Congress and show up in the, the Oval Office. If only God would show up and tear the heavens up and come down and visit this nation one more time, then things would be set right. Things would be set right quickly because there is no power on this earth that's any more powerful than God is. He's got the answer. He'll change something and He'll change it immediately. If only God would tear open the heavens and show up and come visit us, things can change. And because of that, we find ourselves on our knees in prayer. On Thursdays in the house, these women have been getting down here and they've been praying and they've been slaying out the devil and they've been destroying things that hell has been holding you back. But there's people that have been praying for you. You should be dead. But it's because of these people right now that's been praying for you. That last time you turned that beer up to your mouth or you choked on that little three and a half inch joint of marijuana or you popped that pill, the devil had it in his mind to kill you and to kill you right then. But because somebody in the house of God was praying for you and they've been praying and praying and rocking what hell has been trying to do in your life. You're sitting here this morning and because of that, God said I'm showing up and I'm ripping open the heavens in your life and I'm going to come into your life and I'm going to change your entire outset and I'm going to change your mindset and I'm going to use you as a warrior for Almighty God and it's because somebody was praying for you. Amen. Amen. That word, oh, means Lord, if only you just rend the heavens. I believe in this house right now there are some people under the sound of my voice they have been coming to this house of God and they've been coming out here when nobody else wouldn't come. They were coming out here and they're praying. They're taking four and five hours on a Thursday morning. You better thank God that somebody loves you enough to pray for you for four hours on end. You better realize that they're still praying for you and they're there. you better be shouting and praising the Lord that it was the mercy of Almighty God through the prayer of that silver-headed mama and daddy that fell on their knees and prayed for you. You're supposed to be dead. You're supposed to be in prison. You're supposed to be in the best death there. You need to have, get in your power of God and praise Him for what yes. He's already done. Yes. Thank you, Lord. And Isaiah says, If only, Lord, you'll show up and rend the heavens. If only God would tear away that veil that covers everything and hold him back all the blessings and hold him back all that power. Why is this urgent cry so urgent in Isaiah's mind? In verse number 7 there you find that because he looks around and he begins to see in chapter 64 and he begins to see a people who have got a hard heart and their heart is so hard that they have strayed away from God. Look at me on this side. Some of y'all's heart are so hard you're running from God. You straight away from God. And you need to get to Him and you need to get to Him today. On this side, some of y'all have run from God and run from God and run from Your heart is so hard. The preachers can preach a message and you can stand up here like I did on Easter and preach an hour and a half to try to win souls that don't never come to church and have Christians shut up and go out and run the preacher down because they preach for an hour and a half. When somebody was dying in the house of God going all right, to all right. So hooked up on yourself and your time. But you're all right. You just assume that somebody got to hell because it's so important for you to be able to leave the house of God at 12 o'clock. Freak <laughs> 
And I ain't jumping on you and I ain't judging you. That's just the mindset that the devil has put in the house of Almighty God. But I want to tell you here something. If only God would rend the heavens one more time. If only the holy house of Almighty God began to be the house of bread that is supposed to be. If only God would show up, mercy would begin to rain down from heaven. If only God would rend the heavens and come down and visit us a little while, Christians would start loving one another one more time. If only God would show up and rend the heavens and come down in His glory, then people would shut up talking about the children of Almighty God and God would change the nation. Amen. If only we would acknowledge Him not only as our Savior but our Lord. In chapter 63, it tells us that God showed up for them and He paid off their debts. He showed up for them and He delivered them out of, uh, of Egyptian slavery. It tells us that He showed up there and He began to be His Savior and rescued them and showed up and rescued them time and time and time again. He carried them on His eagle's wing from year to year. He carried them, He carried them, He carried them. And they grieved the Holy Spirit. They didn't want the Holy Ghost to move. They wanted it their way. Oh, help us, Jesus. Amen. Because there is a lot of people in the house of God. They want it their way. Amen. Amen. And God said, what happened to you then is I quit allowing the mercy of God to fall on your life. And I turned on you and I became your enemy and I started fighting against you. You think the devil's fighting against you and that's bad. Wait till God starts fighting against you. And when God starts fighting against you, everything your hand touches will go sour. Everything you try to accomplish, God will make sure it will not get accomplished. In every emergency, Israel remembered their God and they went to Him and God in His rich love and His mercy took them back in and received them. But here today in the United States of America, the United States of America now is going down the drain and going to hell just as quick as you can black your eyes. But I'm here to tell you today when God shows up in His glory and moves in there, He will still move into this emergency situation and He will pour out His mercy and His forgiveness on this nation and He'll bring us back into the love of God. Amen. Amen. When you get to the point where you're saying, Lord, where are you at now? If only you would show up. When you get to the point where you can remember all the memories of what God used to do and that mindset that God has left you and forsaken you and you're out there on your own, starts ruling your life. You really need God to come down into heaven and say, Amen. In the New Living Translation, verse number 19, as I began to put this together so I can throw it out to you this morning and I can allow the Lord to bless you. In verse number 19, New Living Translation, it said, it's just like we aren't yours, Lord. We say we're yours, but we live just like we ain't yours. It's just like you don't rule over us. How many would agree with me this morning that right now the spiritual climbing in the house of Almighty God is just like we are not God's? We're living and doing what we want to do when we want to do it, how we want to do it. And the preacher will stand up and preach the word of Almighty God and we'll haul out and we'll agree with it in notion, but we never go out of the house of God and we never apply. And in verse number 7 there, he said, and in verse in chapter 64, he said, And there is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee, for thou hast hid thy face from us and thou hast consumed us because of our iniquity. I believe that God has turned his face away from the church and he's turned his back on the church right 
right now because we are serving the devil more than we are serving God. We are spending our time in the world more than we are in the house of Almighty God. Our money is going to support the things out in the world more than they are in the house of God. And God has grew tired of it and he's turned his face away from you and he's turned his back to you. And when he turns his face away from you and he turns his back to you, every bit of favor that the king has in his life is taken away from you. You don't have the favor of God and the devil himself has the avenue to go in your life and to run in your life and destroy your life. And God today says, no man, knowing the situation, seeing what is going on, no man is seeking me. No man is really hollering out for me. No man is really wanting me to do anything. But God began to touch the boy's name of Isaiah. And Isaiah means God is my salvation. And Isaiah began to pray. And Isaiah prayed. And he prayed. And he prayed. And he prayed. And he began to pray for his nation. And the more he prayed for his nation, the more God began to hear him. And after a while, God began to rip up in the heavens. And he's a rip up in the heavens. He sent the Holy Ghost down here on this earth. And Jesus came down in a marriage body. And he crept out in her vessel. And he came out in this world. And the travail in the heavens were torn open. And everywhere Jesus went, every place that he went to, miracles followed him. He laid his hands upon the sick. And they were delivered. He laid his hands upon the people that were possessed by the devil. And they run. And they tear themselves out into peace. I want to tell you today, God has told me to tell you just like it was in old Israel. When Isaiah threw his hands up and said, Oh, Lord, if only you'll tear up in the heaven and come down to visit with us. We're just like that in the United States of America this morning. But my God said, there's a remnant of people that is beginning to holler out into Jesus. They're beginning to holler out in the power of Almighty God. And they're saying, Lord, we need you to rend open the heaven. We need you to get up off your throne and come down in the power of your glory and begin to change things. We need you to come down into the hell dens of the world. We need you to walk into the barroom and shake the place. We need you to come into church and shake the church and get us what we need. God said for me to tell you to get ready because he has already reached his hands out and he's pulling back the curtain. He began to send the angels out that needs to be there. He's already sent them and he's chasing them all around and he's putting them in your life. He's already went in front of you, in the back of you, on the side of you, on the side, the top of you, and the bottom of you. And the angels are just lying and wait right now, waiting for the devil to crop up his little head and say, I'm stopping what God wants to do in your life. But let me share with you. It don't matter what hell tries to do in your life. When God gets up in the heavens, here comes a full of glory like you'll never see in your life. And everybody that is out there on those dead dry dusty, crusty, little past going straight to hell, God is going to use you for revival in the house of God. Smile at someone and say, if only. The Bible says in Mark, when Jesus went down in the water and he come open, that the heavens were torn apart and the Holy Ghost come down. Betty, the heavens are about to get torn apart one more time. And the Holy Ghost is coming back to the church. God is coming one more time to rescue His Israel one more time. I don't care where you're at today. I don't care what situation you're in. I don't care how much the devil's been in your life. I don't care how much has been calling you out there. That 12 ounce can of beer, that three and a half inch joint of marijuana, that love, that there's pill, whatever it is in your life that has been calling you and it's got a grip in his tentacles in you right now. I'm here to let this church know right now God is about to show up and he's going to deliver some people. He's about to show up and run hell out of your life. He's about to show up and command that spirit of infirmity 
and never come back in your house again. My God is about to orchestrate a revival like you ain't never seen. And we're going to see the power of God coming down. Angels ascending and descending. Angels showing up by your bedside. Angels showing up in the church. Angels showing up in the apology. Angels showing up in mass gathering. We're going to see a glory like you've never seen before. Amen. The Gospel of Mark is the answer to Isaiah's intercession. Lord, will you please rend the heavens? If only God would rend the heavens and come down. I haven't met y'all, but if only God would show up in your life and rend the heavens and come down in your life. It don't matter what nobody's ever said about you. It don't matter what the world thinks about you. It don't matter how much you're struggling right now. If only God can rend the heavens in your life and come down into your life, you'll have your life changed, your family changed, and everyone changed. If only God would rend the heavens in your life and show up in your life, your finances would take a 180 degree turn immediately. If only God was allowed to open and turn up in the heavens here in Living Water Worship Center and send His Holy Ghost down in this house one more time and walk through each and every pew and His angels touch every brow and fire everybody up and take a match of the Holy Ghost and light a fire and shake you on fire one more time. If only God, God would use that. It won't just be Glenbro. He'll change. He'll change North Carolina, yeah. South Carolina, yeah. and He'll change America. My God is ready to do it, and He's saying, "I'm standing right now with my hands in the." And I'm ripping the heavens open And I'm about to come down one more time I'm about to show up one more time I'm about to come in all my glory one more time Get ready for a full frontal front From God and the power of the Holy Ghost Coming with a storm of glory Like you may never seen before in your life Get ready, it's right around the corner And God's going to change churches Amen But most of all he's going to change you It's going to get so hot on Andrew when he misses one service. It's going to worry him to death until he get back to the house of God. I'm releasing angels right now. They want one of these little kids right here with their head down. I said, I wish to God he'd shut up. I'm going to send the fire almighty God to fire them up to where they'll jump up and they'll shout for the glory of Almighty God because it is God that has allowed their heart to pump rust through their veins. It is God that's given them the authority to be in the house of God right now. It is time for the church to rise up and give God the glory that he deserves. It is time for the church to rise up and give God the praise that he deserves. It is time for the church to pray Lord, bring the heaven. It is time for the church to release the Holy Ghost and let the Holy Ghost sing. I'm so sick and tired of the children who give their heart to the devil. I'm sick and tired of the church saying it's all right for them to go on and live like they live. It's time to break your hope to those children and dare hell to come on. When conviction gets a hold of you, it will change your life. Hallelujah. Smile at the side and say, if only. If only. Let me tell you something, Pastor. Sir. This already happened. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And those that don't want it, they're going to run. That's right. And that's fine. Let them run. If they want to go to hell, go to hell. Yeah. You hear me? If you want to go to hell, go to hell. Yeah. I love you, but if you're stupid enough to want to go to
But if you want to have the all fire and power and the fullness of the Holy Ghost and be drunk with the wine of the Holy Ghost and you want to be able to walk around and touch your hand on people and they get out of the deathbed, if you want to be able to lay your hands on your money and command it to grow and it grow, if you want to be able to look the devil in the eye and say you ain't coming, let's pray. If you want to have the power of Almighty God in your life, then come on with me. Let's get under the open window of God and let God pour it out and let us kill the glory of God. Because God said, I'm looking for a remnant. There's a whole lot of people, God said, that's going to say, Lord, Lord, you're my Lord. And God's going to look at him and Chris and say, why do you call me Lord? Lord, and do not the things I say. Why do you say I'm your Lord? But Sunday night is too important for you to come to church. Why do you say He's my Lord, but your money that is His is still sitting in your bank account? Yeah, yeah. If He is your Lord, then you're going to have to start acting like He's your Lord. That's right. If He's your Lord, you're going to have to start praising Him like He's your Lord. If he's your Lord, you're going to have to start telling everybody he's your Lord. You're going to have to start showing everybody he's your Lord. If he's your Lord, your money will change. If he's your Lord, your finances will change. If he's your Lord, your health will change. If he's your Lord, your family will change. If he's your Lord, this church will change. If he's your Lord, you're going to be able to 